Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and I've got Susanna Serrano-Davy back with me today. Hello, Susanna. Hello, Kevin. Susanna, an interesting topic today. We're going to talk about conflict. Yes, an interesting and one that is very close to my heart. I think that our ability to manage conflict effectively can be life-changing in all senses. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what do we mean when we're talking about conflict? What, what sort of things come to, come to your mind? All sorts of things. And I think sometimes they're the smallest things that can lead to a lot of weight. So for me, conflict is when somebody says something that doesn't land well with you, when your needs and the other person needs are somehow in opposition to each other. It means even having a personal relationship that doesn't sit nicely. We all have people that we have a natural affinity to and others that we don't. Conflict means not getting our own way. It means when we can't get our point across to other people or, I don't know, I think the the list is endless. What does conflict mean to you, Kevin? I guess, yeah, that, that's a, a good set of, of things. In conflict, to me, I'm, I was thinking as we, as we were planning this, Susanna, about the, the situation where you and another person within the business don't quite see eye to eye. You've got a, a very different opinion around something that's that's going to happen to the one that you have. And yes. therefore you, you come together and there's a, a failure to agree. Yes. As well, that's a good way yeah. of summing it up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, conflict, as, as we said, it can be a lot of different situations. And I, I guess I can see two dangers here, Susanna, if you don't handle it properly. Number one is if you've, if you've got two points of view, that you've somehow got to resolve that in an amicable way. Mm-hmm. Just to just to move forward. Yes. The second one, and I, I think I've experienced once or twice, is the conflict that's come up has never been properly resolved, mm. and it's it's some some old problems are are still sitting there underneath that may date back months, years, are still sitting there and, and affecting the relationship today. I agree. And I think going back to those two points, the first type really prevents us from being fully effective in our roles and at work, because if we don't find a common way, we're not going to make progress. We're not going to deliver that project and we're just not going to achieve our goals from a sort of technical and work perspective. But the other type, I feel, is the one that has the most impact on us as individuals and our experience in the job and in life. Because those unresolved conflicts, I think they're a little bit like we've got a backpack and we start loading little rocks on it. And first day, you're okay, you're still fresh and motivated and enthusiastic. But as time progresses, that backpack gets heavier and heavier. And that can then lead to both 
toxic relationships at work, poor relationships, but also your own motivation going down, your sense of dissatisfaction going down, and ultimately losing that drive and enthusiasm that we all enjoy when everything is in place. Yeah, and that, that, that drive goes away. Your performance goes down as well. So high-performing CFO becomes a, a low-performing CFO. Or I, I think it's often the reason that somebody might start looking for another job. And I, actually, I do advocate that once you start, you get to that point, you really need to call it quits. You need to know as a team leader or a team member, when is the right time to say, right, my bag is full. I've got too many rocks. If I haven't dealt with the conflict appropriately in this journey, I need to just move on and start afresh because otherwise you just, it's like a, it's like flu, you know, you're infecting yeah. everybody around you. And if you don't believe what you're saying anymore, I think your team can tell and you're just not, it's not worth doing. I think it's time to, yeah. To move on. Yeah. So the, the thing to do here then is to try and keep the bags out, the rocks out of the bag in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do we do that, Susanna? Well, I think you're probably getting fed up with hearing me say this, but I like to break things into steps. So don't I tell me you've got four things. Four steps. <laughs> <laughs> I I have an ordered mind or I or I try to have an ordered mind, which is why I like to put things into into steps. So I think the first step when we find when we get riled up by an email that we read or somebody says something or we don't manage to agree in a meeting room whatever conflict it is I think the first step is precaution precaution watch out what do I mean by that clearly conflict arises and gives way to a ton of emotion and that's not the best place to act and to make, um, to interact or to make your point. So never, ever, ever react in the heat of the moment. How many times am I going to ask you, Kevin, and I'm going to ask the people listening to this, how many times have you received an email that made your blood boil and you thought, right, da, 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 da. and Thankfully, as we progress in our experience, we tend to say, okay, I may have written it, but I'm just not going to send it. So this I've is done that a few times, Susanna. I actually written the email and then not sent it. Yeah. And that helps. That helps. That helps hugely, actually. It, I, I found that, that that helps you just get the emotion out of your system and then be able to, to start thinking about it properly. What's that? Of course. Yes. But of course, we're not always in it protected by an email. Sometimes we get into that surge of emotion when we're face to face with someone. Yes. So it takes real self-control to say, okay, I'm going to breathe and I don't have to react right now. I don't have to respond right now. I remember a situation I had a few years ago when I had a, a new, a new boss, a new CEO had come into the company. I really liked him. But he had a lot of ideas about how, how to shift my, my job and my responsibility. So we had this meeting and he said, right, Susanna, this is my, this is how I see it. We need to do this and need to do that. And there were a few things he was saying that were just making me feel oh, really uneasy. And I thought I just 
paused for a moment and thought, right. And I said, Miguel, I can really hear all that, all that you're saying, but I just need a little bit of time to think about everything that you're saying to me before I'm able to respond, before I'm able to tell you what I think. Can I have that time, please? That's when you bite your lip, it's the best thing you can do. Because if I had responded there and then, I would have missed a lot of the opportunities that we're going to be talking about as we progress on, on the four steps. So just don't react. <laughs> if you need to offload with typing the email, by all means do, but don't speak, don't, you're just not going to do a good job if you respond at, the, at that moment, if, if what you're being driven by is ultimately surprise and emotion, just not helpful. Yeah. Even if there's not too much conflict there, but you're you're replying to an email straight away and you bash some things down, you press the send button, you then think, well, later on, I forgot a huge amount that I could have said there. Absolutely. I've actually you need- addressed the, the wrong point. So I, yeah. I think general advice is you now if that email comes through, if it's important, whether there's conflict there or not, take some time to think about how to respond. Absolutely. And we but naturally, especially in the modern workplace, we're under such pressure to respond immediately to everything. And we're yes. always in a hurry that those conditions don't really help us in, exactly. in, exactly. in managing yes. that pressure. So I'd say just take precaution, just keep your mouth shut. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and the good things will come afterwards. So do yes. you think that's a good first step? I think that's a good first step. And I, I'd add just a little little something extra to that as well, Susanna. Go on. Resist going to look at email or look at your Slack or whatever messages as soon as they come in. Because you get one like that that you do want to re- react to emotionally, and it will throw you completely off track on the task you were trying to achieve. So the damage can be twofold. Mm. And I've personally, I've found that I'm spending a lot of time if I want to get work done with email switched off and with Slack switched off. Mm. I don't want to be sucked into conversations on there about stuff that I'm not directly working on. I agree. And ultimately we just get sucked into this emotional roller coaster. That yeah. it's not helpful. Uh, it's not helpful for us to do a good job, and it's certainly not helpful for us physically and emotionally. And it's interesting, I think, because as I've considered these things over time, and I now realise that earlier on in my career, whilst I felt stress and I did have these emotional peaks, I wasn't always aware of them. So starting to listen and just watch your body and paying attention can help you just step back when you notice that surge of sensation whether that is your neck or your back or or the heat in your face whatever it is those are the physical signs that we often overlook um to help us just say hang on a minute i need to recap just take a step back and look after myself and the situation yeah so that's that's really a second point isn't it the the first one is don't go and go yeah. in there all guns blazing. If necessary, write the email and delete it and get that emotion <laughs> out of your system. But that there is a second point here. Step back and think. 
Uh, yes, that's the third one, actually. You've missed one. Just don't get carried away, Kevin. There is okay, this part. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll calm down. I'll calm so down, the Susanna. Second, the <laughs> one is to remind ourselves of some basic assumptions that can yeah. help us to when we then move on to the thinking part that we do a good mm-hmm. job. And that basic assumption to me is people generally don't wake up in the mornings and think, right, who am I going to get upset today? Who am I going to get into trouble with today? Generally, we're nice people and we wake up with nice intentions in the morning. Mm. So when we do come across conflict, it really helps to think there is no premeditation here. This is just something that happens. It's a natural way when you're interacting with people all the time. So step back and think that the other people, the other person's perception and yours is not the same. You and I having recording this podcast today, having this conversation today, your view will be similar but different to mine. Your experience is your experience. You're sitting in Kevin's chair and I'm here in Susanna's chair. So just stepping back, remembering that. And also, when you when you get get into conflict with people, it really helps, I think, to remember that we're all trying to achieve something. So if you and I are coming into conflict for whatever reason, it's to do with what we're pursuing. So when we come into conflict with someone, it's usually because they and us, we're trying to achieve something, we're trying to pursue something. So it's not just because we're difficult people, is they have a need, you have a need, and it's those needs that are in conflict, not you two. A little bit like the conversation we had the other day on our last podcast podcast about not taking things personally. There's usually something behind the conflict that drives that conflict. So those are, for me, that those basic assumptions. We're all really, in general, nice people with good intentions. Nobody comes to work to do a bad job. Exactly. We all have different perspectives. So recognize that my truth is not the ultimate truth. And there is a need, there is a an aim behind the conflict. That is what we need to get to if we're going to resolve it. Yes. Okay. So number one, don't overreact. Yes. Number two, don't jump to, to conclusions about the other person's intent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So. We're getting now to about the third point that we're we're now going to do some thinking about this. Yes, and that is so important. And really, if we ask ourselves, how often do we do this properly? If I look at myself in the mirror, really, with all humility and honesty, I know that I haven't always done this very well. Mm. I think because I agree with you. Yes, I can think of situations where I haven't done this very well. We love the emotional roller coaster. We love being in the right. We love being on our moral horse, high ground, or whatever the expression is. I forget now. Uh, my English is getting rusty. Mm. And we just don't do a very good job of actually thinking. So to me, this is key. Whether we yes. then go on to talk to the person or not, thinking would really help us calm down to see the situation more objectively and to really understand what if there's a conflict why is this why is this a conflict for me am i just, am i being reasonable is the other person um 
do they mean to cause that harm that we are perceiving or feeling? Um, and I think asking questions, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful quest things we can do in yes. life, not only in our careers. So taking that little time out to think and reflect and think about what what am I feeling? Why am I feeling these? Does the other person realize that this is causing a problem for me? Because quite often, I think conflicts, to, in my experience, is when we get upset by something that someone says, for instance, and they don't even realize half the time that it is creating such problem for us. And if I if I if I could ask this person for help without worrying about the consequences, what would I ask for? Why do I need these things? What alternatives exist that could replace or the, what I'm trying to achieve or what I think is the 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 the, the conflict? Um, you know, if I speak, if I if I talk to this person, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, and just take that time to think about the situation because we don't do it, Kevin. I'm I I'm guilty. I, I raise my hand and and if we do that, we're then going to be in a position to not only not put those rocks on our on our backpack, but to find new perspectives and to find potential solutions that we hadn't perhaps considered. Yes. And to me, one important step of this reflection that again we don't always do very well is think what can I do differently how can I help this person because we really like being on our side of the fence and we always think about oh he or she or that is not giving me what I need but we don't often look inwards and say right what can I do to resolve this what can I do to help them what is it that I could do differently yeah and I guess the thing that I'm, I'm coming going across my mind right now is that there's in these situations there's rarely one person's right and one person's wrong talking is going to be the best way to sort this out yes and then what do you think that takes us to that could take us to your final point yeah <laughs> listening <laughs> listening absolutely so i think once you've got your you've had you've been thinking uh what I think we need to get out of that process of reflection is three things. Is first, what what do I need if yes. I'm going to engage in that discussion? Second, how can I help? Yeah. Because I need to bring something to the table. And three, what are my core needs? What's if if all this goes out the window, what are the things that are really important? Because again, with conflict, we often get sacked into lots of things where ultimately you'll have a few elements that are particularly important to you. So once you have those three things, you can get ready to have a conversation. And there are things that I think are particularly helpful. We've already, I don't know if we've said it at the beginning, but never do it in writing. Never, ever, ever deal with conflict in writing or Slack. And I had a, I worked in a project recently that the CEO was so busy that whenever he had a, a fit, he'd just send a tantrum message by email or Slack or whatever it was. He caused mayhem around me. The whole office was just thinking, oh, my God. What we even got all nervous thinking, here's a message. What is he going to say? Because he just dealt with, with conflict in writing. Just don't do that. It creates no. too many casualties in my life. So people still do it. It might be, be evident, but people do it. Um, also, I think 
people don't like surprises. Like the example I gave at the beginning of the podcast of my boss asking me things and I wasn't quite ready to respond. If you want to engage in a good conversation, a productive conversation with someone about a conflicting situation, you also have to let them have the opportunity to prepare. Yes. Because in the same way that you have been thinking and reflecting, they need that. Because if you try having done all your thinking, have a conversation when they haven't had the opportunity to think, then you're not in, you're not balanced. So just talk to the person, you know, that email that you sent or that conversation or that topic, you can see there's a conflict here or perhaps we didn't understand each other. Whatever the situation is, just tell them, I've been thinking about it. I really would like to run some thoughts by you. And and again, choosing your language is very important because saying to someone, I'd really like to run some thoughts by you, is not the same as to say, right, let's get into a fight or let's, I want to put my case across. So let, let them know in advance that you want to talk about that topic. And then, you know, have a think about it. And then we'll, when shall we meet? When shall we have a coffee? And then they'll ha- they will have had the opportunity to, to think about it. And then you can meet without surprises to discuss things from a neutral perspective, rather than that emotional roller coaster that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I like that idea of can I run some ideas past you? Because the the other way you could approach this is to say, oh, you mentioned this and this in the email, and I don't agree with you. I'd like to talk talk to you about specifically that. So straight away you're saying, I don't agree. I want to want you to understand why I don't agree. Yeah, it's, it's all me, me, me. Whereas it really should be the other way round. You've got this conflict. You've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. Yes. Listen. Listen before you speak. Find out where the other person's coming from and understand the things that are sitting there behind that agenda. Exactly. And that the conversation will, if you're really prepared to listen, the conversation, in my experience, lends itself to that. If you have given the other person the opportunity to also prepare, to to show with your with your demeanor that actually you're looking for a solution, you're looking for yeah. a way forward, but you're not trying to just defend your camp. That is the worst yeah. thing we it's not about defending a camp. It's about finding mutual way forward. Uh, also, I think simple things like we don't always take uh, pay attention to is where do you have the conversation? I, I used to have a boss that wasn't used to um, having regular one-to-ones with his, his direct reports. But I said to him, I really need this to for us to work properly. And whenever I, I had a particular hot topic to talk to him about, I'd say, Shall we go out for coffee? Shall we go out for lunch? I wouldn't talk about it in the office. So he'd know whenever I suggested let's go out, he'd think, right, what is she on about now? But it worked because... Yeah, you you go me. into a relaxing, neutral environment to exactly. have a, a friendly chat. Yes. Exactly. So think about where you're going to have the conversation, how you're going to be sitting. I mean, I remember meetings as well where you had a conflict and you'd have people sitting opposite each other across the table that immediately is not helping why not sit one in the corner and one here and 
just just think about all these things that we, oh even if we don't realize they they can be little aids in that yes. process of making it easy so once you have all of that i think and you've had time to think just listen explain say okay refer back to the email or the conversation i've been thinking what do you what do you think if i think the most strategically intelligent thing you can do in life is always let the other one speak first because if you walk into that conversation armed with your list of this is what I need, this is what I want, this is why I'm upset about what you said, etc., you're just setting yourself up to fail. Yes. So let the other one speak first if you can. If they want, then you can lead the way. But if it's always better to hear how did you think that that went? What created the problem for you? And in that process, you will receive valuable information that you just didn't have before and of course with that valuable information you can tweak your plan and you will probably there'll be little things that will change in your head compared to the plan you had for the conversation I have gone on on many many occasions to difficult meetings with a written plan of what my key points were and I have usually delivered them all but many of them just slightly tweaked because, of course, I've had the benefit of the other person's input. And so once you adapt, you, you find that actually perhaps that, that thing that you thought was so unsurmountable is not quite as unsurmountable anymore. And in general, as I said earlier, I think we're all nice people, you know. And if right, you, yes. you enter into a conversation really meaning to find um, – connection really meaning to find collaboration people can tell yeah and they will lower the guard and they will open up to look for a solution and if you don't get that if you get with someone that is really awkward then hey at least at least you tried I've always said well I you know I I try to be collaborative even if other people don't always play ball but honestly I've had many 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 difficult conversations throughout the years and this method for me I swear by it, Kevin. Yeah, I can see a great method there, Susanna. So, if if we're if we're recapping on that, and number number one is, you know, don't go and respond to that email yeah. in a fit of emotion or conversation. Yeah, or conversation indeed. Yes. Number two, assume that the person is coming from a good place and they've yeah. got a reason for for saying what they're saying. Number three, step back, look at it objectively. I suppose think about what's important to you, what's not important to you. You don't have to win every battle to win the war. What's what's vital that you get right in here? What can you give ground on? I think yeah. you, you probably ought to think through before you even have a conversation. Exactly. And then that, that listening piece. And I think the the one that struck me there is if you're the CFO, now, chances are, and a lot of CFOs are the number two to the CEO. So chances are whoever it is that you're talking to will see you as a superior mm-hmm. in the organization. That's, of course, to conflict with the CEO, which is a whole different kettle of fish. There's, many of, there's a lot of that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, is the right thing to summon this person into your office? Because no. immediately they will be feeling on unequal ground. Totally agree. Now, 
if they are in your office, well, think about the and some of the best senior managers' offices I've seen have had a you know, a couple of easy chairs in the corner of them, or a, a meeting table, a circular yeah. meeting table, not across the desk from each other. Never across the desk. That is such a but, you know that that let's go for a coffee is a really good way of getting out of that superior inferior relationship into equal ground neutral space and a more relaxed environment mm-hmm. yeah i suppose susanna we talked at the beginning about uh conflicts that have happened in the past and are still sort of sitting there today and are getting in the way of current things any advice on those for me if you We've discussed the first thing is not let the rocks load in the bag in the first place, but sometimes they're there. And I think if they're there already, try not to perpetuate that mindset. Just because you haven't been at such good terms with someone for a while doesn't mean that you can't change your approach with them. Yeah. Because, again, I think it tends to be it's a chicken and egg situation. I'm not, I'm not very helpful with you because you're not, never very helpful with me. So the question to ask, going back to the power of the questions, the question I would ask myself, when was the last time I tried to be collaborative with this person? When was the last time? Always look at you. Not at, it doesn't matter what they're doing. What are you doing to mm. change that trend, to, to build on that relationship, to open the window and let the air in? Yeah. And that's it. It's, it's some, sometimes it can come down to let, let's, let's go have that coffee. Let's go have a clear the air chat. Mm. How can we work better together? Yeah. And be, I, perhaps it's my personality, but in my experience, there is an expression in Spanish that says, when people talk, you can understand yourself. So yes. I, I'm a great believer in just talking honestly and openly and neutrally with people. And even people that haven't quite made you feel great will generally soften and will generally mm. be helpful and will they will welcome your change of attitude because how can you expect them to change their attitude if you don't? Um, so it's our responsibility, I think, to yeah. deal with conflict, whether new or old appropriately. And let's face it, in your role as a CFO, there are certain times you are naturally going to raise some conflict in the organisation. Chances are you've you've been brought into your finance leadership role to change something. People don't like change. People push against change, whether yeah. whether it's good change or not. As soon as there's a change around, you've you will have affected somebody's status quo. Definitely. Change of status quo will always feel uncomfortable. So you've got to think about how do you bring those people along? How do you keep them on board? I think, and I'm sure we, we've discussed this in a previous podcast, Susanna. There's a, there's a key phrase to me. What's in it for them? What's yeah. in it for the other person? Can I have a conversation with the other person where I can identify what would a win be for them? Yes. We move forward and give them a victory. Absolutely. And I was talking to one of my mentees earlier today, and I'm going to send her the link to the heat map podcast that we recorded together a few months back. 
And in there, one of the elements was very much about bringing people onto the conversation of what needs to be fixed, when and how. Because that change, if you just push it, yes, it's not going to land. And that, that is something that I, I've learned over the years in management consultants. You never try to do something to people. You try to do something with, with people. people. I agree. Something that is done to people will never really be accepted. It'll always be, oh, that was Kevin and the management consultant's solution. It wasn't our solution. But if you do it with them and involve them and they're part of formulating what that solution is, they have a sense of ownership, a sense of identity with the solution and be far more accepting of it. And if we go to conflict, if people can see that you are listening, genuinely interested in finding a mutual way forward, they can't do anything other than to do that themselves. Indeed. Susanna, I think we've really, really covered managing conflict well there. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation, Kevin. I look forward to our next one. Indeed. Thank you once again, Susanna, for being a guest on the Gross CFO Show. Thank you. Excellent.